Hello and welcome to India Career Center, the one-stop podcast for students, professionals, parents and guardians. In every episode, we will try to deal with the current topic that needs expert advice related to career, career guidance and career Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to another episode on India Career Center. Uh, today we are going to talk about the state of uh, higher education in India. I would like to quote here some of the facts which are published in the All India Survey on Higher Education 2021. As per that report, in India, around 4.13 crore students enrolled into higher education in 2021. Around 2.12 crore male and 2.01 crore female. The split of the enrollments were like this. So in arts, 33%. In science, around 16%. In commerce, around 14%. In engineering and technology, around 12%. So that was the broad split of enrollments in 2021. The number of students who passed out in the same year were approximately 95 lakh. So, which means that the ratio of uh, input versus output is roughly about one-fourth. The number of students who passed out um, were, um, they were BA around 20 lakhs, Bachelor of Science uh, about 11 lakhs, Bachelor of Commerce around 10 lakhs, Engineering students around 8.3 lakh and diploma students uh, around uh, 8.5 lakh and uh, which clearly means that uh, in India if there are 95 lakh students who have passed out in the year 2021 uh, so many jobs are required in the formal sector to, to be given to these students who pass out from the uh, education system but we know that uh, uh, most of the uh, normal graduate students in different streams uh, do end up doing something uh, other than the formal educate uh, formal uh, jobs so there is this gap of what the industry needs in terms of skills in terms of the knowledge and know-how and uh, what is being offered in the formal education, especially the higher education in India. To address uh, some of these skill gaps uh, in the higher education, there are organizations like Masai School who are trying to bridge that gap by providing the additional skilling uh, programs for especially the undergraduate students who are not from a technical background. Of course, there are technical background people as well. But primarily, the target is to help the non-technical uh, students to acquire some skills and be ready for the job uh, for, the, for the job market. To talk about this subject, uh, I like to welcome Mr. Pratik Shukla who is the founder, uh, co-founder and CEO of uh, Masai School. Uh, 
Prateek, uh, welcome to India Career Center. Thank you so much uh, to be part of uh, our show today. And uh, it's quite amazing of uh, uh, knowing about your organization, your uh, institution of what it is doing in the Indian uh, skilling space. And I'm looking forward to a great conversation with you. Thank you so much to be with us. Thank you so much, Dr. Mishra, for inviting me. And um, I hope the conversation is going to be enriching for many people, those who are going to listen to it. Okay. To start our conversation, uh, Pratik, uh, please take us through your personal journey. You are, belong to UP and grown up in Rajasthan and and uh, you studied in IIT Kanpur and so on and so forth. So take us through your interesting journey first. So, yeah, as you said, uh, my ancestors are from UP. Um, and then my grandfather was in CBI. So uh, he finally, uh, his last stint was in Rajasthan. And that's when he decided to basically uh, stay. Uh, and that's how I was born in Ajmer. Brought up in Bilwada, which is a textile city uh, of, like people call it Manchester of India as well. And um, yeah, so uh, basically uh, was like brought up in Bilwada, uh, where uh, I was the, so so Bilwada, ma majority of the folks actually work in business. Okay, so I still remember that in every class, uh, whenever the teacher used to ask that whose father is in job, and whose father is doing business. I was the only one who used to raise hand. And that is something which was a constant for me. Uh, I never thought that I'll end up starting a business. And probably like I'm the only one in my uh, in my entire family who is into business. The rest everyone is actually doing job. Uh, so it's quite a very interesting uh, journey. Um, so uh, Till 10th, I was like a typical student who used to basically top the exams, uh, actually till 12th. Uh, so in 11th, 12th, anyone in Rajasthan who aspired, who is good in education and who is into science were asked to basically go to Kota. Um, so uh, during that time, I also applied in various coaching centers in Kota. but uh, And I got into uh, one of the best coaching center at that point of time. Uh, but at that point of time, our financial condition was not that great. So my father told me that basically study from here only. And uh, if you can, like if you are so good, uh, you can crack IIT from here only. Um, the state of education in the city where I was in, like I was in probably one of the best school in Bilwada. But uh, I can tell you from one anecdote itself, then you can understand the state of education that we had. Our English teacher used to teach us in Hindi. Okay, and that is where uh, uh, that is that is the quality of education that you can expect. So what I used to do is basically we formed a group of four or five people, and then we started studying for IIT, uh, doing preparation all by ourselves. Um, there were few tuitions that we actually opted in, but uh, majorly it was all by ourselves. Uh, somehow cracked IIT in the first go itself uh, without any coaching. Um, and that gave me confidence that I can crack it, although the rank was not that great. Uh, so at that point of time, I thought that probably I'll uh, go to IIT or uh, through AIEEE. At that point of time, AIEEE used to happen, go to a nice college. Uh, but at that point of time, because of my rank in IIT, I got 100% scholarship in quota. So then I insisted my dad that uh, 
can i basically take a year off and basically study once more uh in a coaching in a structured manner uh and that's when kota happened um uh, studied there and got into iit and then this time it was iit kanpur the first one was iit rudki and second one was iit kanpur um uh, so got into iit kanpur and then uh, uh as soon as i went to iit kanpur and um uh, it was it was a very very it was an eye opener for most of the people because most of the people those who come from tier 2 tier 3 tier 4 cities have not seen anything beyond books you were topper throughout you were uh, you cracked iit twice um, but then over there everyone was uh, the topper everyone was the strict state topper some of them were national toppers uh and that's when i realized that only education is not something which you should be doing you need to basically have some extra currics so that's when i decided that um i have studied a lot in my entire life uh and that is the only thing which i have done uh so now what i'll do is basically um i'll i'll explore new things okay and that's where the exploration began um and uh, by the end of it uh you would see my resume which consists of positions of responsibilities where um anything which be it elections so i won many elections um be it um, uh managing the fest that we have a uh, part of co team member uh, over there managing a team of 300 people while you are in third year fourth year uh, that is all i have done uh the fest sizes that we had is basically we used to get marketing budgets of uh, or we used to basically get those many sponsors where the fest uh total uh sponsorship sponsorship money is, is roughly around 1.5 to 2 crores so you can imagine the scale at which it operates um and you are managing that uh, so i have done all those things so i had a great position of responsibility whatever anyone can imagine uh in iit kanpur that is something which i did uh and as a result i think um majorly the like in my previous startup or in this startup uh you will see that many people are there from iit kanpur most of them are my juniors or my batchmates those who have worked with me in those fest or worked with me during that time and they've seen me working uh and that's how you build a very very strong bond um so it was a very very like it was a very different kind of an experience uh, but amazing ride uh, in iit kanpur and um, uh, then uh, there was placement time so then you have to basically go to a company but at that point of time uh, what happened was it was it, it is also a very interesting start, like inter- interesting thing which has happened during that time so uh, um, so as i was saying that i was literally uh, the leader uh or uh, the best leader of my batch uh probably uh who is participating or who is managing everything um so i had a great resume uh and because of that i was i actually became slightly overconfident uh during my placement season so i became so overconfident slightly is a small word i think uh, it's <laughs> uh so i became so overconfident that uh, i shortlisted three companies and i told them that company is not going to shortlist me i am going to basically select three companies and i am going to basically go to any one of them so i selected mckinsey bcg and uh, deutsche bank so these are the three companies and i'll just appear in their interviews and the uh, rest i have not applied so the the way placement works in iit kanpur is that you need to basically apply for companies beforehand um uh, uh and you can't just 
uh, bars into the interviews directly. So you need to basically apply it beforehand. So I did it for only these three companies. Incidentally, the first two companies, McKinsey, VCG, didn't came. Um, so they were, uh, they opted out from placement uh, during my time. Uh, and then there was only one which was remaining, which was Deutsche Bank. And I was rejected in the first round itself. And now uh, you imagine that I was so overconfident that I have not applied to any other company. And this is the company where I rejected in the first round. And I was sitting idle for the first seven days. And in the first seven days, 60 to 70% of the batch usually get placed. Okay. And then uh, uh, I was sitting over there, everyone in my wing. Uh, so this is a wing system. So you have like 20, 25 people who are living together. They are in part of one wing. One floor is known as one wing. So in my wing, almost everyone got placed. And I was the only one who was um, who was not placed. Uh, so so yeah, like uh, that was something which was uh, uh, which was an eye opener for me. And that's when I basically uh, took a break, uh, went to McLeod uh, for around 10, 15 uh, days, uh, and um, uh, thought a lot about ki what has gone wrong, and then came back. And uh, at that point of time, uh, started basically uh, thinking about what should be next for me. So what I did was that I, I I knew right from the starting that I never follow herd mentality. So this is also going to be how I want to shape my career. And uh, what I did was basically uh, I shortlisted four different industries. Uh, and I thought that I'll basically apply to any one of them. I'll go and do an internship in all four of them, actually, and then see that where I want to build my career. Uh, the first industry was microfinance. Uh, so I was reading this book called Banker to the Poor. And uh, I was fascinated by the work that uh, Mohammed Yunus sir is doing in Bangladesh. So I applied over there. Uh, and uh, what happened was, basically, as soon as I applied, uh, uh, I, I read the book and I applied. So I got a mail back that we usually don't hire engineers as interns. But uh, since you have read a lot about us, uh, would love to give it a try. And that's how I got our internship uh, under Dr. Under uh, Mohammed Yunus in Bangladesh. Uh, so I was so, so excited at that point of time. I told my mom that uh, I was not placed, but I got an internship that too in Bangladesh. My mom was literally shocked here what has happened to my kid uh, because people from IIT usually go to US, UK and other places. But uh, this guy is going to Bangladesh. So that was something which was um, uh, <laughs> which was uh, uh, quite interesting. But uh, then she refused uh, and she, she never uh, let me go over there. Um, so my second one was startup. And... Um, uh, Incidentally, uh, some of my friends in college have started startup uh, and uh, they they hired me as their co-founder. So while I was in my fourth year, I was actually working in a startup uh, where I was a co-founder. We raised some capital while we were in while we were studying itself. And that's when I lo started loving the entire startup uh, piece uh, because before that I was not aware of startup and in IT Kanpur usually startup culture is not that great at that point of time when I was there now it's now it's quite amazing but um, at that point of time uh, we were the very few people those who were uh, um, exploring uh, startup uh, as the way forward and uh, when I was part of uh, the startup I loved the 
love the entire rigor love the problem solving piece uh, and then i thought that this is probably what what i want to do for the rest of my life and that's how when i graduated i started my first venture which was grabhouse uh, and that's how the journey began picking up few of the very interesting uh, thoughts on the way uh, so you uh, you actually have seen a kind of a roller coaster ride uh, during your iit kanpur days Yes. Um, starting with a shocking of environment to learn about how things happen, uh, to doing the best possible uh, leadership roles in various things, and then getting the shock of life in terms of not getting through the campus. So, uh, quite amazing and uh, roller coaster ride, and uh, in a way, I think it prepared you for the future as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I think uh, if I would not have gone through that kind of a ride, I would have a very mediocre career uh, uh, and probably have not learned anything from my failures. Uh, I think the early shock that you can get, uh, all the early shocks I got uh, while I was in the age range of seventeen to twenty-one itself, uh, and that actually shaped whatever I am today. Fantastic. and then yeah. you went on to uh, be part of this uh, organization which is like a startup uh, so tell us about that uh, uh, because that's also interesting for that point of, point of time and which was eventually taken over by one of the bigger organizations so tell us about that yeah so basically um, as i was saying that in college uh, my friends have started a startup uh, where i was part of uh, i was part as a co-founder and then um, once i graduated i thought that um, uh, let me start something of my own and that's where grabhouse grabhouse happened uh, grabhouse was basically uh, at that point of time it was 2013 uh, india's first broker free platform to connect owner with potential renters um so we were uh, we were before uh, no broker uh, came into existence um and uh, uh, the problem pain point was very simple that uh, the pain point was very evident as well uh, for most of the people those who migrate to a new city or a bigger city uh, specifically a tier 1 cities or metros uh, where uh, broker role in renting is usually just opening the uh door of the house uh, nothing more than that because in the end you need to see the house you need to negotiate with the owner and you need to do everything so broker role was very less but at the same point of time you have to sh- you have to share one month of uh, rent with the broker uh, and that is something which i was not very comfortable with and that is something which was a pain point that we identified in many people uh, and that's when we thought that this is the problem we're solving so i started it uh, and uh, then uh, we basically ran it for almost 3 3 and a half years um, and then it was eventually acquired by quicker so we raised capital uh, along the way uh, from some of the best investors in india like sequoia capital um, then india quotient and other folks uh, india quotient is also an investor in Mas- masai as well so it was also a quite a roller coaster right um, so we were the first one then um, we realized that this problem needs more time to solve so then we pivoted to something called as fully furnished managed house rental business uh, where we used to take a house and we used to basically furnish it and give it to bachelors or sublet it to bachelors that is something which we were doing as well uh, along with the classified business uh, so yeah quite an interesting ride and then um, uh, 
then got acquired by quicker fantastic i think the product was probably slightly ahead of its time and it it took some time before it matured no that's not the case the uh, actually uh, we started and then 6 months down, like after us no broker started um, and uh, the the challenge with that market is that it takes time because uh, let's say if you have a house on rent uh, and you give it out uh, um, to uh, to let's say brokers as well as some platform uh, usually the houses are in like the city is divided into four kind of zones uh, majorly there are zones where even if uh, uh, your tenant is as soon as your tenant says that i am moving out you find a new tenant immediately so there are hot zones where um, there are enough number of people those who are uh, looking to basically uh, take the house then there are different kind of zones uh, so usually what happens is that um, uh, in hot zones uh, people don't need to basically work with anyone they just post it uh, that they have a house available and they get the uh, tenant uh, and the lease period is usually 11 months on an average it is roughly around one and a half to two years in bangalore uh, where a person stays in one house so um, even if you got a house in the first go um, and you were able to find out the tenant uh, it's only after one and a half or two years that the house is also again going to be available on your platform and you need to do uh, the matchmaking again uh, and find the right tenant and if you'll do it repeatedly for two or three times then only the owner will get that kind of a trust in your uh, platform that uh, they don't need to rely on brokers so usually it takes 4 to 5 years to basically uh, build that relationship with the owner and it takes time because as soon as you find a tenant uh, after that there is no involvement with the uh, with the owner or tenant uh, uh, throughout the journey so okay. that's why it's a slow uh, it's not like it's it's a slow uh, uh, growth business uh but once you have the owner trust uh and that's when uh, uh it is going to be an amazing uh, business altogether so yeah it takes time yeah excellent i think like, moving on uh, uh tell us about your africa visit yeah so uh, then uh, as i was saying that when we got acquired by quicka uh, i was working there for like i worked there for around 8 to 10 months um, and then after that got a very very interesting opportunity to work in chennai uh, so i never like i i was um, i was doing real like i was in real estate but it was majorly online real estate so it's more of a tech and product play but i got an opportunity to work on a real township uh which was created in the center of the city in chennai and it was india's second largest township um so i was responsible for managing it so i worked there for like 2 years and after that i realized that um, my role over there is majorly uh to maximize the revenue per square feet uh which in the age of 28 29 you think that it's not what i want to do uh, right now so that's when i thought that probably i need to go back to the startup world once again um, but um, um, before that i thought that i let let me take a break uh, and i went to tanzania so i went there uh, for almost like 7 to 10 days but uh, i 
loved the entire experience uh, i interacted with masai mara tribe um, and i let me tell you more about masai mara tribe first uh, so masai mara is one of the strongest tribe of africa okay they consider so they have very very strong cultural beliefs but at the same point of time uh, the entire tribe uh, believes that uh, uh, formal education is of no use okay so they don't believe in formal education at all what they do is basically um, they have their own masai mara run schools uh, which has uh, which is specialized which specializes in one particular skill set uh, so let's say if you want to basically be involved in farming agriculture and other things so there's a school meant for that uh, and children right from the early age are enrolled in those schools where uh, they develop skills uh, to basically work in one particular area uh, and that is how they are shaped their career is shaped um, and that is how they basically build their tribe and uh, they have the best or the best cultivators they have the best farmers they have the best um, guides uh, best people in construction uh, and that is all created through masai mara run schools so it was fascinated that um, a tribe which is considered to be the strongest tribe of africa but they have not done any formal education uh, and at the same point of time uh, they speak really well they they are knowledgeable and uh, they uh, they believe that um, skills is better than any any formal education and that is what their focus is so it's quite um, fascinating and quite innovative uh, thinking which is so rare to and you can't expect that you'll find it in africa uh, that too in a tribal area uh, but that was something which was very very uh, um, like very exciting um, so that's when um, so what happened was um, uh, during my iit days i did one internship in teach for india okay okay over there also what i saw was the impact okay so teach for india is a is an organization where they basically take fellows every year and they work in low income municipality schools uh, and they teach students so at that time uh, they used to basically take people uh, students of first or second grade uh, and they used to basically uh, uh, make them better than the usual first or second grade students because uh, there are uh, people those who are coming from like the prestigious institutes of a country and they are responsible to basically train students over there so i still remember uh, the day when which was my first day in teach for india uh, i was an intern and i entered into an auditorium where there was a uh, there was a girl who was in her uh, first grade and uh, she was part of the school where uh, teach for india fellows were there so this girl was speaking english thousand times better than me and not just with like not just me but all my friends uh, combined together can't speak well uh, like what she is saying on stage in front of thousand people uh, she was expressing herself beautifully uh, and she was a moderator in one play which she only directed um, and that was amazing like a first grade student from a low income municipality school uh and all the other kids over there uh, are thousand times better than the students that i even see in 9th or 10th standard in from an international school um and very expressive so i i realized then and there itself that 
there is a huge potential in our country a uh, huge untapped potential in our country it just needs to be unlocked and the way it is going to happen is by bringing in right kind of people um, who believes that uh, india has a untapped potential and who believes uh, that it can be unlocked uh, so right kind of people are required for that and combining that thought process with masai mara what i have seen uh, i thought that there is a need to basically uh, work in the higher education space because in higher education space like just like how the facts that you have mentioned uh, i'll go slightly more detail in that uh, there were a couple of reports uh, at that point of time which were floating around that 95% of our program or computer science students don't know how to write a single line of code so that was something which was very alarming because at one end where uh, companies are basically struggling to find out people at the other end we have uh, college educations which are running uh in a similar way for last many many decades uh have not innovated at all and at the same point of time uh, we are just churning out uh, uh, graduates every year um, those who have degree and credible score but they don't have any skills which are needed in the industry so there was a huge skill gap that i could identify it and that's when i thought that this is the problem we're solving uh, so that's when masai had okay excellent uh, so uh, taking forward our conversation let's talk about your masai school setting it up uh, how was it when when it started and who all came together to start this take us through that yeah so uh, basically like as soon as i came back from tanzania i thought that this is what i want to do uh, so i first reached out to nupul who is my co-founder and cto of masai he is my senior from iit kanpur okay so nupul is that kind of a person um, when i was running grab house as well or uh, anyone from my batch who was running any startup uh, nupul was that common thread in every startup because anyone who faced technical difficulty uh, and not able to resolve it through their existing team used to reach out to nupul and nupul is one man army and he used to basically solve it incidentally he was also working in the education space he was majorly focusing on k12 space at that point of time uh, so i thought let's let's change the face of higher education in our country let's uh, work together on this so that's how nupul came along um, then uh, my wife actually was working with swiggy earlier uh, so she was trained uh, she was at a mid management slightly on a senior management side uh, and um, there was this guy called yogesh who used to basically uh, enhance the sales performance training uh, used to provide sales performance training and enhance the sales performance of the mid to senior level folks okay and she has actually uh, seen the impact that yogesh can create okay so uh, i knew right from the starting itself that when we are going to build any school which is going to disrupt uh, the higher education the most fundamental piece is going to be communication skills and behavioral training because the um, technical part is still something which can be manageable but uh, if you want to make someone holistically developed communication is going to play a very very important role so i wanted someone who basically can uh, work with students uh, not just on basic com com communication skills but enhancing the overall personality of a person okay so that's when i got connected to yogesh and he is my third co-founder and uh, we all three came along and we started masai in june 
so it's literally like almost four years now uh, uh, so four years back we started uh, Masai yeah and uh, I did uh, uh, came across this wonderful concept of uh, pay after placement yeah uh, I'm sure there are quite a few videos as well but uh, uh, if you can explain this to our viewers and listeners yeah so uh, when we were thinking about what we need to do in Masai, okay, so we form a team, uh, but what what is the area that we want to focus on? Uh, so Nupal being a techie, I am majorly a tech and product guy uh, in the past as well. So we knew that right from the starting that tech is our core forte, and we are going to basically make programmers. Um, and also we believe in one very important thing that 10 years um, the next 10 years belongs to tech and tech industry alone. Uh, you are seeing whatever is happening around us, generative AI and everything coming in. So it's a golden era to be in tech. So we knew and we were very bullish about this space. So we knew that this is what Masai is going to be focusing on. Um, but we don't want to become the next education institutes. Like, uh, like for example, when I was telling you that um, uh, the institutes have not changed in decades. Uh, the best institute where I have studied, they also change their curriculum once in 10 years. Okay. Uh, and that is something which is so, so uh, shocking because the industry around us is changing at a rapid speed. It It is changing like um, we talk about AI, ML, um, data science and other things. Uh, most of the work happens on TensorFlow, which was created in 2016, 2015, 2016. Now imagine the industry is being set up uh, which were on the technologies which are created in 2015, 2016. Uh, and at the same point of time, we we are saying that we need to, we are changing the curriculum in once in uh, 10 years. That's something which was, uh, which was bad. So uh, we knew right from the starting that we need to basically have a very strong industry collaboration. Um, but at the same point of time, we are still not going to disrupt the higher education until unless we basically create uh, a situation which is a win-win for students, for institutes, and for college, uh, for for corporates. Uh, if we'll not create that, it is not going to be uh, uh, something which is going to disrupt anything. So we started with a model that um, we are not going to charge any upfront fees to our students. Uh, there is zero fees uh, to enter into Masai School. There is an admission test. You give the admission test, and you're part of Masai School. And once you basically uh, complete the entire course, which takes eight, eight and a half months, uh, and once you graduate and get a job of five lakhs per annum or above, uh, then only you pay us fees. If you don't get a job of five lakhs per annum, or let's say if you get a job of 4.9 lakhs per annum as well, you don't have to pay us a single penny. So it creates a, it, it is like basically uh, saying that, I am going to work harder than my students to basically ensure that students outcome or student success is the first key metric, uh, which is going to be achieved. Once that is going to be done, then on, and once that is going to be done, it is going to be a win for the industry as well. And then eventually it is a win for the Institute as well. Um, if any education institutes promise you that they'll give you a job and if they fail to do so, they should not get paid. Correct. Uh, yeah. And that is something which I truly believe in. And uh, before starting Masai, I actually spoke to a lot of colleges. I told them that there are 
engineers that you're churning out like crazy uh, and they are not finding engineering jobs uh, so why are you getting paid in advance uh, for the education and why you don't focus on this kind of a model and everyone said that uh, education industry is a recession proof industry okay and it is because um, we take money up front we don't care about what is going to happen and that is something which is so bad uh, so we knew that right from the starting and specifically the kind of students that comes to masai school um it like because of this removing this financial barrier you unlock the potential as i was telling you that unlock the untapped potential is something which needs to be done uh and tier 2 tier 3 tier 4 cities or villages of a country where people can't afford to basically pay any money to get quality education um for them this is like uh a place where you can study you can get quality education you can basically get a job and 5 lakhs per annum is that kind of a job which puts you in top 2.5% population in our country so it's aspirational as well um and um, uh, because of that um uh, and the entire model is facilitated through pay after placement so basically um once you get a job uh and uh, then you basically have to pay the fees from your monthly salary uh, if you don't get a 5 lp job you don't have to pay us anything so that's pay after placement and that model actually widen the pool uh, um, and unlock this for people those who can't afford quality education uh, create a level playing field for everyone and at the same point of time uh, keep the institute on toes all the time to ensure that you are going to only obsess about students outcome nothing else and that is what the dna of masai school is what is very interesting is that uh, there's uh, uh, there's a lot of trust which you put on to your students yeah uh, because you're trusting them while taking them in yeah um, in terms of uh, they getting into a good uh, organization and after that paying you back so yeah. i think it's a huge amount of trust which you have placed on the students to start with and of course their extended family their their parents and so on and so forth yeah so that is something which is actually quite unique and uh, i don't think any other organization or institution in india actually is doing that yeah um, so how how actually that uh, i mean i do understand that um it is important i mean you mentioned it uh, that um, focusing on placement focusing on real job placement is important but for an institution to invest money first hmm. on the education of the student and then getting the money over a period of time through emis or whatever hmm. is something which is unusual and uh, and and possibly uh this is one of the best disruptions which you could do on the education system yeah yeah so uh, what we believe like this is one question which was there right from the starting that there's a there's a huge trust deficit which exists between uh, uh the, the the people those who are uh, there and uh, on our on our justice system on our legal system on our um uh, uh the entire law and uh, machinery uh, and uh, because of that trust deficit i think people tend to basically believe that um, uh, in india most of the people are corrupt uh, but what we thought in the starting is that um, 
there might be 5% people, those who might be like this, okay? But why are you punishing 95% of the people for uh, those who are trustworthy, okay? Um, you basically, you can't create policies to keep in mind for 5%, uh, which is going to punish 95 And that's how most of the things are created in our country that, but we were against that. Uh, and we knew that if we are not going to put a trust on them, Okay, and eventually someone wants to basically uh, take all the knowledge, okay, and uh, get into job all by himself or herself uh, and don't want to pay. It's better, like, it, it is also fault of uh, an education institute that they, like, if someone is spending 11 hours or 12 hours a day with you uh, and they are there for eight and a half or nine months, and if you're not able to basically build in that kind of a relationship with a person that uh, the person don't feel that uh, you have actually added any value in their life, then the then this is also a fault of education institutes, correct? Um, so I slightly go with a purist approach uh, on these fronts or, or on these topics because I believe that there is still a lot of good in this society. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, 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 lot of folks. And that's why, like, if you'll see in Masai case, uh, till now, we work with NBFCs, by the way. Um, so to facilitate pay after placement agreement, we work with NBFCs. So uh, people, those who pay, we have hardly seen anyone defaulting on their EMIs. Okay. Uh, and that is because we have put that trust on them and that's uh, um, it's a two-way thing, correct? So if we are trusting them, they are going to basically trust us as well. And uh, accordingly, we'll be able to basically change uh, the complete narrative. So yes, it is a very uh, uh, challenging problem, but you need to basically go with the thought that India is still good society. Like people are still good. People have the right, like the heart is in the right place. And uh, they are not going to basically uh, be corrupted or they are not going to basically cheat the system uh, until unless uh, you give them an opportunity to do that. Um, if you put that trust on them, they are going to basically reciprocate it back. And uh, uh, that's when you create uh, a wonderful society. So that's the that's the thought process that we all had. Fantastic. So it's a very purist thought. And uh, I'm sure... Uh, uh, a lot can be done uh, with, uh, as you mentioned rightly, keeping yeah. the majority in mind rather than worrying about the small minority, which probably is not in the right place. Uh, right. So uh, majority, I think people are good. We just have to harness the strength out of it. Correct. So moving on, uh, let's talk about your association or the tie with the NSDC. Uh, yeah. How it is helping you and uh, how is it uh, what is the tie-up and how it is helping? Yeah, so um, NSDC reached out, uh, uh, basically, they, their core focus is on skill development, correct? And they wanted to basically partner with as many companies as possible, those who contribute towards skill development. In Masai case, we were the first one, uh, one of the first companies which uh, partnered with NSDC majorly uh, because they were fascinated by what we are doing. Okay, so they have been part of skill development for quite some time, uh, but they have not seen this kind of a model. They have not seen um, how, and they they also focus on impact. So I'll tell you more about the impact that we are creating first, and that's when NSDC is something which will uh, uh, which uh, listeners would be able to understand that why that uh, collaboration happened. So as I was saying that most of the 
like 80% of our students come from tier 2, tier 3, tier 4 cities and villages. 70% um, of our students are from economic weaker section. Okay. So far, Masai school have graduated over 3,000 students, graduated and placed over 3,000 students uh, with an average package of 7.2 LPA. And uh, out of that, Masai has been able to uplift like close to 200 families out of poverty line. So 200 job creation, which has happened uh, uh, because of that, I'll tell you the story of some of our students. Like, for example, there's a kid uh, who will belong to a village in Telangana. Her entire family income was 5,000 rupees per month. Okay. Uh, mom used to work as a delivery laborer and uh, dad, dad was not working. Um, and this girl was the first uh, person from her village who is uh, um, who now gets into a job uh, through Masai. And she is earning close to her package is right now 18 LP. Wow. You imagine someone who has seen 5,000 per I'm month. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, and this is like not just one story. I, I'll tell you hundreds of stories like this where um, someone, life, someone, and this is the beauty about this model that if you change or if you transform someone's life, you are not just helping that person, but you are changing the entire family. You are changing all the people around them uh, and that is eventually contributing towards society. Now, uh, from that same village, there are 17 other girls and guys those who are studying in Masai school uh, because of seeing that girl's transformation. Okay, She has shifted her entire family to Bangalore. Uh, her uh, mother has stopped working now. Uh, her father stays at home and then uh, she works. And she basically um, uh, like do that like and she gives her, she gives them all those kind of things which were lacking in their household. Like she was so happy when she bought her first TV uh, from her salary. Like this is the first time they had TV in their house. Uh, and there are many, many, many more than that. Uh, like many more stories like that. So NSDC saw this impact. Okay. And this is what, why NSDC was formed in the first place. They want to basically focus on skill development. They want to focus on creating an impact. So the combination of both the things, they saw it in Maasai. Uh, and that's when they, they decided that they want to partner with us. So what we get, do get is basically we work closely with NSDC on um, uh, not just skill development piece, but at the same point of time, we work very closely with them to improve uh, uh, the IT, ITES, KPIs for all the other skilling institute as well, so that we are all on the same page. Um, the quality level which is needed in the IT industry is something which we are drafting with them uh, very closely. They have, uh, uh, they are also working with us unlocking uh, Masai's uh, uh, potential in terms of uh, reaching out to various corporates and other places. So they work very closely with us. In return, what our students get is once they graduate, they get a uh, they get a certificate of completion of the course, uh, which is jointly signed by Masai and NSDC. So it is accredited by government of India in a way. Uh, and that is something which is quite beneficial for someone who 
basically might not have uh, 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 done the formal education in the past, but now getting that certificate, which is recognized across the industry. So that is the collaboration that happens with NSDC and not just with NSDC. I think uh, Tamil Nadu Skill Development Center also uh, signed a MOU with Masai School to basically uh, work with colleges, those who have very poor placement rates. Uh, same is the case in Karnataka, this Karnataka Digital Economy Mission, those who have signed a collaboration uh, uh, document with Masai to uplift thousand women or to basically make sure that we are we are skilling thousand women in tech in next one year uh, and they are going to basically uh, create placement opportunities for them so we are going to basically be taking students uh, from villages and we are going to train them to become software developer and they are going to be uh, part of uh, Karnataka digital economy mission so uh, so yeah, like the governments are quite open about it and uh, they are working very closely with us. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, that's that's in a nutshell what, what the entire uh, collaboration is all about. Excellent. Uh, so I think uh, moving on. So how do you see the next five to seven years? You did mention that this is the golden period for uh, tech industry. Yeah. Um, but how do you see Masai uh, in the next five to seven years? So we have a very, uh, uh, like we have two milestones that we intend to basically achieve. Um, currently, we have uh, 9,000 students studying in Masai school across different learning tracks. Now from a, like someone who needs to basically visualize it, that how big it is, uh, it is equivalent to the first years of all the IITs put together. Wow. So. 9,000 students, which is putting all the IITs uh, uh, student of first year uh, together. That's how big uh, Masai school is right now. Um, our first milestone that we intend to achieve is that we want to graduate and place 25,000 students every year, um, which we want to do in next two years. Uh, and that is something which is going to basically make Masai bigger than all the IITs and NITs put together. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, the number of students, those who are graduating and getting placed. Um, next five-year goal that we have is that we want to graduate and place uh, thousands, one lakh students every year. Uh, and um, not just that, I think one another impact-focused goal that we have is that when we are graduating and placing one lakh students every year, we want to, by that time, we want to uplift 10,000 families out of uh, poverty line. So that's uh, that's one fundamental goal that we have, uh, that 10,000 families should be out of poverty line. Uh, and every year, Masai should be graduating and placing 1 lakh students, which will make us the largest outcome, largest education institute, not just in India, but across the globe. So that's the milestone that we are, that we are working towards. Fantastic. Uh just to give a context uh, of what you're speaking, and uh, I think it's, uh, I, I keep talking about this quite often in my uh, other podcast as well. Uh, so India is amongst the uh, uh, few countries in the world uh, where we have got demographic dividend. And most of the rest of the developed nations, um, almost across uh, African nation, as well as uh, some of the Asian nation, rest of the nations are all becoming older and they are also becoming less in population. Hmm. Which means that a lot of young Indians, a lot of young Asians, a lot of young Africans will actually move across the world uh, and provide all the 
services which are required across the world for the people who are getting older yeah uh, so while you are doing what you're doing for the indian uh, job market uh, i think this is one area which probably uh, you you masai school also play important role going forward uh, yeah not just making the young indian ready for india but also probably for the global stage yeah uh, yeah this is something which i thought uh, so what what do you think about it? yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, as you rightly said i think uh, uh, preparing uh, and i think uh, after this pandemic uh, one another very important thing which has which has which has happened is that uh, like now specifically in the tech ecosystem you are from india you are uh, uh, from a tier three city, but you can still work in not just Indian companies, but also across the globe. Uh, uh, and uh, basically working, and there are many students in Masai, those, those who have graduated, those who are al alums, they are living in cities like Kanpur, they are living in cities like uh, uh, Agra and all, and they are working in uh, the US-based companies from India itself. Uh, and in tech, remote working is still something which is quite popular. Uh, rest of the places uh, don't have that sort of a uh, tracking mechanism, but in tech, uh, people do contribute. So I think it is basically what we believe is that Indians, like if you'll basically keep on uh, keep on skilling Indian, Indians and they are not just going to be ready for Indian jobs, but they are going to be uh, taking over the global jobs as well from sitting from India and capturing them. Yeah. So moving on, uh, your institution is currently focusing only on software and data analytics, which are the broad two subjects. Yeah. Uh, but the skill gaps which are available in India is quite large in a lot of areas. Correct. And uh, what is your intention? Are you at some point of time thinking also to um, parallelly or laterally look at other skill areas where you can actually create that impact? Now that you have created, I mean the, the 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 platform is there, the knowledge is there, the uh, scalability part is what is required, and of course you need the domain experts in those particular areas to jo join with you. So, what yeah. is your thought on that? Yes. Yeah, so, um, one thing which I said, Doctor Mishra, that um, we are always going to be uh, focusing around tech or tech peripheral uh, 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 like jobs which are available in that tech periphery uh, and that is something which is always going to be the case so if there are gaps skill gaps which exist but there are uh, many schools like Masai are going to basically emerge uh, to solve that one particular specific uh, uh, skill gap but Masai is going to be Masai started with software development. Now we are into data analytics. Uh, very soon you'll see that we are going to be in product management. We are going to be in UI, UX. But again, everything is, is basically around tech or tech-related domains. Um, if it comes to the MBA side of things, that is where we are not going to focus on, uh, at least for next uh, foreseeable feature, feature, future that I uh, that I am looking at. But um, I think um, it is going to be because we are very bullish uh, on tech and we believe that tech and tech related jobs are going to be uh, the, the the most the, like most in demand jobs in the world, uh, not just in India, in 
in this decade. So we are going to basically be servicing around that. But yes, there are going to be different courses in tech tech related domains that are going to come up uh, at Okay. Great. I think uh, Pratik, it was fantastic talking to you on, on your journey, your personal journey and the Masai school. And uh, it's really heartwarming to know what uh, impact you are already created in last four years and your plans for the future. They, they really sound fantastic. So uh, I really sincerely want to thank you for spending time with us, explaining about all the facets of Masai school and uh, uh, young listeners and viewers and or their parents, whoever is watching this or listening to this, uh, they can um, the the you can explore uh, the links which are provided on this so link and uh, apply for uh, the relevant kind of courses in Masai school. Thank you so much, Dr. Mishra, uh, for having me, and it was an amazing conversation. And uh, uh, you guys are doing great job with India Career Center as well. So uh, thank you so much for having me, and would love to basically see how we can. Uh, we can uh, work with uh, India Career Center to basically solve the problems uh, even at K-12 level. Uh, and uh, yeah, look forward uh, to basically having more and more uh, discussions like this going forward as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We sincerely wish you could take something from our conversation today and be able to apply it to your life in a positive way. We value your feedback. This can help us improve our future episodes. So share your thoughts to serve you better. If you want us to focus on a topic which you think is of importance, let us know. We will share our expertise in future episodes. So, see you soon with a new topic and help you in your career journey.